Hello, and welcome to the Joy Lutheran Church podcast, a podcast of the weekly sermons. Here at Joy, we believe we are called to experience faith, know love, and share joy with all people for the sake of this world God loves. We are glad you are here. Let's listen. Hello, and welcome to Joy Lutheran Church's podcast. This is intern Kristen Boland. Our first reading for today is Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. This is the commissioning of Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Our psalm is from 71 verses 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and set me free. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. You are my crag and my stronghold. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the clutches of the evildoer and the oppressor. For you are my hope, O God, my confidence since I was young. I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. From my mother's womb, you have been my strength. My praise shall be always of you. And a reading from 1 Corinthians. If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only a part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel is according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue of Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidian. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I want to start with the good news. Today's readings are all about love, and I'm going to preach a sermon about love. Yay! Doesn't that sound nice? A warm, fuzzy sermon about love, especially in the heart of bitter January. Love feels like a soft blanket, warming us from the inside out. Ah... Now the bad news. When Jesus preached in his hometown about God's love, the people got so angry, they literally ran him out of town and tried to push him off a cliff. <laughs> Wait a second. This is where you need to insert that noise, like that screeching noise that means that everything is coming to an abrupt halt. What a bummer. A soft, gentle sermon about love only lasted six seconds, and now we're talking again about trying to chill, kill Jesus. It would have been so much nicer to hang out in the happy feelings. So why am I being so mean? Why did I wreck such a good sermon with all this talk of anger and death threats? Because, unfortunately, this is what sin has done to God's radical love. So let's start at the beginning of today's readings. In Jeremiah, we hear that God knew the prophet before he was even created, before he was even born, but before he was even conceived. God knew the prophet Jeremiah, and God also knew each of us and called us to our work before we were even created. 
Then the psalmist reinforces this image. From my mother's womb, you have been my strength. Our psalm is a brilliant transition from the prophet Jeremiah to our New Testament readings. The psalmist begins by reminding us that God has been our strength from the beginning. And then the psalmist petitions God to show God's love in action. The requests are as varied as the examples of love we find in 1 Corinthians. Protect me, deliver me, set me free, listen to me, and keep me safe. These are requests for acts of love. The psalmist appears to have confidence that God is a loving God who will take action on behalf of God's people. And then we have our gospel reading. Jesus has been reading in the temple in his hometown at the beginning of his ministry. He had just finished a portion of the scroll in which the prophet Isaiah speaks about bringing good news to the poor, pardon to prisoners, and recovery to the blind. Jesus rolls up the scroll and says, you have just heard scripture fulfilled. And then, as if he could imagine what the people had on their minds, he continues, I know what you're thinking. What great things am I going to do for all of you? The people of Jesus' hometown thought for sure their ship had finally come in. Woo-hoo! Their little Jesus has made it big. The people who have known Jesus his whole life, his teachers, his parents' friends, his neighbors, they're all in the temple listening to their boy and waiting. They have heard what he has done in Capernaum, and they are certain even better is coming their way. After all, he's one of them. Instead of healing all of their aches and pains, solving their money woes, or even providing a bountiful lunch complete with wine, Jesus quotes scripture about the prophets Elijah and Elisha ministering to those outside of Israel. What? Imagine that screeching sound again where everything comes to a halt. Instead of coming home and showering favor on the people who helped raise him, Jesus comes home and tells them that God loves everyone and that there will be no special treatment for them. Bummer. Actually, Jesus' hometown folks were so upset that they attempted to throw him over a cliff. The very notion that God loves everyone was so infuriating that people literally wanted to kill the messenger. It's easy to shake our heads at these ancient people. How could they be so, so short-sighted? I can hardly even believe anyone would try to kill Jesus and for trying to explain that God loves everyone. And then, I try to make sense of what it would mean to have Jesus show up for us today and tell us that God is not actually raining special favors upon us. We are not actually any more chosen than anyone else. Would it really be that easy to accept? 1 Corinthians gives us a whole host of active images of God's love. These include not being envious or arrogant, not insisting on our way or being irritable. It makes us wonder, who are the poor in our time who need to hear the good news? What about the prisoners who need forgiving or the people who need healing? Do we honestly love these people enough to rejoice that God loves them just as much as God loves us? Can we love others 
in a way that does not insist on our own way or even rejoices when those who are against us suffer? As I was preparing to preach today, I came across a perspective on today's readings which spoke to me. In addition to challenging me to consider the people that is hardest for me to love, this reading suggested that we ask who is supposed to not like us. But instead of ignoring us or being mean to us, showed us love. What a great question. I hope we've all had experiences like this. Moments of grace where we expected something negative and instead felt the love of God through another person. Let me tell you about a story about a time someone outside of my community, outside of my normal, shaped or showed me love. A long, long time ago, about 20 years ago, I lived in Baltimore, Maryland. I lived in an intentional Christian community that did social justice work. I was the youngest person in the community and I frequently did wild and crazy things like go out for a run. Now, an important detail is that the people that I lived with all looked quite a bit like me and we looked not so much like our neighbors. In addition to our skin color, there were some significant differences between my housemates and our neighbors. The people I lived with were all college graduates, all came from middle-class backgrounds, and no one struggled with substance use. Our neighbors lived in terrible poverty, and the rates of heroin use in our part of the city were astronomical. My family and friends, the people I grew up with, and certainly the mass media all agreed people who looked like me were not safe in my neighborhood. And yet, there I lived for years without a single issue. Well, one day I was out for a run. I was nearly home when I looked up and realized that there was a large, scary looking Rottweiler right in front of me. I came to a screeching stop. I froze, actually. I am super afraid of dogs. And I'm especially afraid of dogs that look like Rottweilers. And I'm even more especially afraid of loose Rottweilers while I'm running. I stood there panicking, wondering if this dog was going to kill me quickly or if I was going to suffer before I died. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a man coming in my direction. The man had been sitting across the street on the steps of an abandoned house. He appeared to be homeless and also had the telltale signs of someone struggling with a heroin addiction. Yet he walked up to me and in the calmest, kindest voice, asked me if I needed help. He then noticed the dog and said, here, I'll help you walk past it. Without any more interaction with this stranger, who represented everything I was supposed to fear in an other, I was walked to safety. I didn't know this man, and he had no reason to help me. He could have ignored me. I would have walked slowly to the other side of the road, or backtracked, or something, and I probably would have lived. Instead, this man who would have known that people who look like me were typically afraid of people who look like him, got up, walked over, offered kindness, put himself in some danger, and actively showed me the love of God. Remember those words from the psalmist? Protect me, deliver me, set me free, listen to me, and keep me safe. The psalmist's prayers were my prayers that day, 
and this stranger was the hands and feet of God for me. The Corinthians reading for today ends by reminding us that we cannot fully understand God right now, but that someday we will, just as God knows us, just as God has known us since before we were even created. Until then, we are to love, to have faith and hope, but most of all, to love and to love extravagantly. And so we pray. God, grant us the courage to love like you do, and grant us courage to face this hour. It's a little scary that your own people tried to throw you off a cliff for talking about love. Walk with us as we move beyond our comfort zones to actively love all people. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Here at Joy, we are committed to living out our faith in love, joy, and service to our neighbors and the world. You can learn more about Joy Lutheran Church by visiting our website, joylutheranwi.org, or on Facebook, Instagram, or in person at the Joy Building, located on Highway 35 in Centuria, Wisconsin. We look forward to being with you again next week. Go in peace.